listening to The Chartographers. Chartographers! It is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people. We dig every single album by a particular artist, and we rank it from worstest to firstest. And guys, let Ugh. me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. The, the thing when we started this podcast, when we did the first season ranking the discographies of artists that we like, it was that artist that we like, artists that we could speak from a great place of authority from. Now we're in our third season, and we're basically doing cold dives sometimes into artists that we're kind of familiar with, or kind of, you know, whatever. And sometimes these dives have revelations. When we did our Whitney Houston episode, I think we kind of went in with a preconceived notion of just like, you know, she's a famous pop singer, there's the Bobby Brown thing and drugs, but she's a really well-known singer. And then we dive into the story and it's like, oh my god, she's one of the greatest vocalists of all time, her story is tragic beyond all compare, like there's just so much into it and it was just a great reveal. And I feel like that's kind of a similar thing that happened with this week. When For we, sure. We talked about an artist who you might think of as like a gay icon and really super fluffy pop hits and, you know. You know, things like that. But then you, when you dive into it, you're like, oh my god, he was a legitimately talented musician beyond all compare. And also, he had a surprising, a deep secret that he held inside of him that informed so much of his music and identity. Guys, we're getting into it. That's right. This week, we are talking about the one, the only, the most famous sideman to ever work with Andrew Ridgely. That's right. We're talking about George Michael. Uh, the na- uh, Bad boys, if you're nasty. So, guys, listen. <laughs> Young Guns, one of the two. So, guys, listen, uh, George Michael. <laughs> did you forget what joke? I literally made? did. I ever, I rehearsed it and I forgot. You know, it's it's live, guys. We're recording it live. You're getting unfiltered stuff. It's great. It's symphonica. So, guys, listen. Because we don't edit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why would we do that? So, uh, the thing is, George Michael, born in London, he was actually uh, son of uh, two parents. His father was uh, very Greek, ran a restaurant, wanted his, him to work in there and do nothing but work in there. But he had musical ambitions and a very supportive mother. And he was shy. He was a shy kid. So when he finally went to high school and then basically met up with Andrew Ridgely, a very fashionable guy, that was kind of like, oh my god, fashion school. We should form a band together. And they did. And the thing that's not known a lot about George Michael, he was talented. He was like a little gay white prince because he recorded everything drums keyboards bass he was the he basically did almost all the instruments on all the albums and was the producer on top of it and the songwriter like as fluffy and sometimes as disposable as his hits were they are all come from george george michael was the guy and so while his initial duo wham kind of had like this teeny bopper audience especially with their big album make it big uh, it was when george michael went solo that he launched into crazy superstar status like michael jackson levels of fame like it was crazy and he is a fascinating discography that we are going to go into this week because that's what we do we're going to rank it who's the we let me tell you first off there's me i'm evan Sadi. you might know me as the interviews editor of pop matter i'm a pop music critic you've probably seen my works in other places if not that's okay. You know what I want you to know? I want you to know that I'm the host of this podcast because I love this podcast. And if you love this podcast, then you know the person sitting next to me, the Andrew Ridgely to my George Michael. That's right. He's way more talented, though, let me tell you. It is <laughs> the co-creator of the podcast, Taryn O'Reilly! Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. How is this I'm... week for you? This week was a lot of fun. Yeah, sort of like you said. I was expecting a lot more disposable pop than mm-hmm. I went away with um 
I actually really like some of Wham, which really surprised <laughs> me. The first time I listened to Fantastic, I was like, oh, oh, I think I'm exactly gay enough for this. Like, um, so, so yeah, it was a really fun week. I'm very excited to talk about our takeaways. Um, there's also some garbage here. Yes, let's be real. Let's, let's, let's be real. But, but our guest might disagree with us, though, <laughs> on that end. Because our guest is an incredible person. We've been talking about doing this episode with her for the longest darn time. Uh, and she is also the biggest Tom Daly fan in the world and runs the Daily Daily Instagram account. Uh, <laughs> fan of just British gay men in general. Like, it's just wonderful across the board. It's my niche. <laughs> Guys, Carmen Barnes is here in studio. Carmen, how you doing? I'm doing great. This is so fun, and so I'm so excited. Yeah, I am covered in red, white, and blue for Great Britain yes. as well. Yeah, and George, and yeah. obviously, yeah, exactly right. And you were saying that you were actually growing up in Germany as this was happening, right? Yes, I actually yeah. didn't see the United States until seventh grade. Okay, so I was in Germany and Holland as he was getting big, and it was like the best time <laughs> to be a little gay child uh-huh. discovering your gay through wham. <laughs> Well, yeah, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> right. That sounds fantastic. As as my mother would say, when I was a little boy, I was very into Wham. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, let me tell you For the something. record, Carmen is not a boy. <laughs> I am not. I am a wonderfully large lesbian. Uh, but it's just funny to say because all my boy clothes. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of boy clothes, uh, wham, let me tell you a little something about them. Th- this is going to be an interesting thing. I don't think we've ever done this before where we're actually, and we've talked about this before, we're going to combine discographies when it comes to ranking them from worst to best. I think this is officially the first time we've done this. Right. But it's, it's absolutely appropriate because Wham was basically George Michael. I mean, at the end of the day, Andrew Ridgely was there. He was moral support. He had some guitar. He had a couple of co-writing credits, yeah. but he's mainly there to help uh, George get out of his shy shell, essentially. Absolutely. He would run over to him on stage and like stand next to him. And it was just his comfort because, oh my God, there's a lot of screaming women uh-huh. and men um, yeah. <laughs> screaming at you. And it could be very nervous. And so like, I think that it was a crutch for him and like helped him get out yeah. of that shyness mm-hmm. and the biggest thing is that when it comes to the, the two of them because he was such the driving force of wham and because his solo discography is so short we felt it was appropriate to actually rank all of them together because i think there's going to be some surprises in it for you so when it comes to ranking their albums we are talking about wham's a 1983 debut fantastic released when they were goddamn 20 years old which is insanity to me on uh, 1984's uh record-breaking go-go album make it big uh and there was the final wham album Music from the Edge of Heaven from 1986. There was uh, George Michael's solo stratosphere-breaking debut, Faith, in 1987. There was his much more uh, acoustic follow-up, which was Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1, in 1990. Uh, there was many, many years later, in 1996, his much more mature take on everything with Older in, the, in 1996. There was his covers album that he did in Songs from the Last Century in 1999. And there was the final album that was released of his studio recordings, Patience, in 2000. Now, this seems pretty straightforward, but there's a couple of qualifiers we need to throw in here. And the biggest one, first off, is Wham! Their final album. We are doing Music from the Edge of Heaven because that was an album of new material that was released primarily in North America. However, in the UK, it was released as The Final, which is kind of a greatest hit slash new album combination. Very Michael Jackson-y. That's stupid. We're not going to do that. We want the music by itself, so we're not going to bring the same songs twice. That's kind of a thing that we're doing. 
him. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do that. But, uh, Carmen, I'm going to put this to you, and I really, this is like, I'm such a strong advocate for this. I really don't want to rank songs of the last from the last century in this ranking because it is, I, I mean, it's one of the things, like, it's just him doing a bunch of old songs symphonically. Absolutely. Traditionally, we don't do covers albums for the most part. Uh, like, we added, we did rank David Bowie's pinups because that was, like, the last statement of the Spiders from Mars. We did rank Cheek to Cheek by Lady Gaga because it was such a stylistic diversion from what she did. It felt mm -hmm. like it was worth noting from an artistic standpoint. This is what I can't, I don't really have a lot of justification for this, personally. So, go yeah, ahead. I can I can understand why we would rank it from, like, his artistic journey. But as far as showing who George Michael is, I don't know that it does a great job of that. But what do you think? Should we include it in the ranking? I think it's a, an incredible album in general, just because you get to see a different side. He had a large, like... Well, he was a fan himself of Harry Connick Jr., and I mm -hmm. think it, like, pulls into that, mm -hmm. having the big band with him. Yeah. Like, through a, a good portion of it. And it's an incredible uh, listen. But again, it is songs that he is covering, so I understand that you're not mm -hmm. doing it necessarily this way. Um, it, it's something, like, I still enjoy, but it's, okay. you know. Yeah. Well, it, but I respect that you're not. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. and that's the thing. And we did listen to it. I'm really okay with not listing it just because it is... I feel like of all the George Michael albums, while it does show a side of him as a performer, I feel like it is also just the least George Michael out of everything. Because so much else, he wrote everything, and he produced Absolutely. everything. And I feel like that's a more important thing to highlight. So, I, go I ahead. think at that time, he was just big enough to be able to do... Like, these are the songs I really like. Let's cover it differently. Yeah. So I think that's probably what it was. Like, I can release it. It's, and also, it was know. the first album he released since, I feel like it was the first album he released since his big, famous, infamous outing yeah. in 96 at the, due to the police sting. So as such, I feel like from that end, it was like a way of reestablishing himself instead of being like, I'm a Leary Gay or whatever. Like, right. I feel like it was a kind of way to, you know, ingratiate himself to the, you know, general pop audiences. Well, I think also part of it was he had just put out his greatest hits album the year before. Right. With Outside, like, which was a huge statement about... That incident. Absolutely. Yeah. Just Those acknowledging videos were amazing. I mean, that video is <laughs> incredible. Probably one of my favorite songs from him, even though it's not on one of the albums we're ranking. Yeah. Um, and so this, the song from the last century was sort of a... A cleansing of the palate. A cle almost. Exactly. Yeah. 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 A cleansing of the palate. Like, he had this gross thing that happened, <laughs> yeah. but now he just wants to move forward, do something classic where he can just sing, but also I'm gu guessing that he was not in a place, especially thinking about just how fun most of his songs are, except the ballads, obviously. But, like, all of his albums have really bright, happy moments, and I don't know that he was necessarily in the mood to do that as much. Mm -hmm. So instead, he had this sort of stripped down, there's a lot of orchestral moments... The song yeah. with the harp is really annoying. <laughs> I don't remember which one it is, but it's literally just three minutes of... It's not even, like, intricate harp playing. It's just trills over and over again, and I hate it. Mm -hmm. But... Okay. All right, cool. Well, I think that is that is good enough for me. So in that case, we now have seven albums that we're ranking. Fantastic, Make It Big, Music from the Edge of Heaven, Faith, Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1, Older, Patience. Now, we're going to rank them. We're going to, you know, sometimes I vote each other, but we're going to have a good debate. We all have open minds. I'm definitely open on a lot of this. I actually have no idea how any of this is going to go, so I'm really excited about it. Ranking is going to be so difficult. Yeah. Well, guess what? Guess what? It's starting right now. I, I am you are the guest, oh, so we don't we don't have to right. decide anything. But I just want to hear your nomination. What would you say out of seven slots? 
what is the worst, or in your case, the least best, George Michael album? What would you nominate? Son of a... Um... <laughs> Fate. All right, cool. Let's it's, go. Uh, the, like, yeah. the least? Okay. Um, I could not stop laughing at Fantastic. I enjoyed <laughs> some of it, but the Wham! rap yeah was so brutal <laughs> just repeating wham and bam together first uh-huh. of all is not a rap um, <laughs> so i don't even was rap a thing in 83 i think it was it, was, so it had just sure. barely become a thing yeah which is why so, it sounds like this yeah. right okay so. hey everybody take a look at me i yeah. got street credibility no you don't no uh, you fucking don't buddy so like it, it just uh, strictly based off of that one song, it's gonna, it's gonna drop all the way to the bottom for me. Our, Taryn has a lot to say about this. Okay. <laughs> so, so fair. Um, Wham rap is rough. Um, the, um, believe me, this album is not very high for me. But I like disco a lot. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of disco. Well, on I was blown up when I first like because I had almost zero familiarity with this. I I kind of knew Bad Boys. I'm like Bad Boys is not as bad a song as you think it is, but those synths have dated horrendously. Those little fucking synth horn hits, exactly. But let me tell you, because I heard it on a fucking Avalanche's mix, but I didn't even know the original artist. The fact that George Michael wrote a song called "A Ray of Sunshine" and it's this at 20 years old, this complex, like deep, exciting little like disco pop number is mind-blowing yeah genuinely like that's a great song i was kind of blown away by that it's definitely one of my favorites Mm -hmm. um out of like all seven albums that we have here oh Um, okay ray of sunshine yeah specifically that song um i am so into yeah and you know i think that there's a couple other things on here that i mean okay i will say the love machine cover (laughs) is it's just First of all, the first minute before it really, like, hits yeah. sounds so dated, especially because I know the original so well, yeah. and it's it has real horns and real instrumentation. It's Motown. It's classic. And it just, they don't change it enough to Fair. justify it being here. If they had transformed it, I could maybe give it a little more credit, but it's just... It's just Love Machine sung by George My- Michael instead of the Jackson 5. Yeah. And so... Yeah, absolutely. I would say just because it being from 1983, even the movies, they had this music that went on way too long before there was talking. It, so, like, then, like, you know, the screen washing and everything. So it was, like, that was still their time. So it's hard to judge being in the year we're in, mm-hmm. but also easy to judge because... Right. We're sitting, I'm listening we're to it 2018 and, years, yeah. Yeah. Like, I can appreciate things yeah. that they did, but they could still be dated. They no, no, for sure. I'm yeah. also a really big fan of Club Tropicana. I did enjoy Club Tropicana. <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah. Um, it was really fun. I also enjoyed Nothing Looks the Same in the Life. Yeah, that was the yeah. other one. Not, yeah. not quite as much, but... Yeah, you know when you but do. Also, this right. he made this album when he was fucking nineteen. It right. came out when he was twenty. Like that's the thing where like I can respect it from the end. Like there's talent, there's promise in here. You know, it's a lot of fun to do dishes too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of dishes album, this is number this one. This is like right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so okay, I I would put one album below this. Are you going to break some hearts? Oh. Um, and it's, it is controversial. Okay. Oh. Here we go. Um, Here we go. Get it your is, palms together. I, my nomination for number seven would be Make It Big. 
Um, oh. <laughs> that deep guttural O. Oh. Because, because I really like Everything She Wants. I think that's a fucking bomb song. It really is. It's great 80s pop, especially because I historically don't like albums from 1984 like princess purple rain being an exception but like most other things that were happening at the time the synths sound awful i don't like the drum production i don't like the filters on the vocals and it could be great songs but i just like there's something about it that's just just, right rubs me the wrong way and and wham somehow didn't fall into that as much as some other artists consistently their early 80s stuff i'm like okay i don't hate this as much as usual mm-hmm. however to me make it big sort of feels like you know because fantastic was very much like a disco album and then make it big sort of feels like they went oh teenage white girls really love us yes <laughs> let's make an album that teenage white girls are gonna like and we'll make and it, it big. And it just, it, there's some, there's some heart missing from it. Specifically. Oh, I disagree. In oh, the, in boy, the, here in we the, go. In the center. <laughs> yeah. With the exception of Freedom, which actually grew on me this week. Okay. I, I discredited it first because it's just nowhere near as good as the Freedom remake. Freedom but they're remake. also entirely different songs. Yeah. And obviously, Careless Whisper is on here, <laughs> which is a great song. Yeah. But then everything else on here, it just, it's so bland. I'm oh. a credit card, baby. But that's <laughs> that's yeah. a really bad song. All right, well, Carmen clearly has personal feelings. Credit card, baby, is one, one of the worst. <laughs> it's one of the worst, Thank you. Right? Yeah. Credit card, baby, is one of the... Exactly. Like, you it's can have my credit really card, baby. Rough. Just keep your hands away from my heart, lady. Uh, Come on. Yeah. I mean... You know, women spending money... Well, yeah. the men uh, oh. have hearts, I guess, or something. I, yeah, yeah. I, I that's not. That's so, not so this this album does wake you up before you go go. Then that's what you're saying. Oh, oh. my god, it okay. totally does. Okay. <laughs> uh, wake me up before you go go is like the the. I wore out this record as okay. a child, mm-hmm. uh, and I was a legitimate child at this time, and I and I believe I am the oldest in this room, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, most people don't know I'm my age, but I am what I am. <laughs> um, right. So it's with one of these, it was like the first album about my own allowance. Uh-huh. Like, so it was like that, one of yeah. these things. Uh, yeah. So like, it also has like a really big personal connection. connection to me. So like, it's one of those, like, I bought a cassette, I bought a, a vinyl and it was like, uh, and the whole reason, like this is my first one for Wham is I loved their hair because we had very similar hair. <laughs> yeah. And also, I thought it was the neatest thing to have an exclamation point in your band's mm-hmm. name. Yeah, that was daring. That was daring. <laughs> like, right. This is my choice. And then once listening to it, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go was just... Effervescent. Not even knowing what that means as mm-hmm. when you're a child, but like it was just so much fun. I still don't time. know what that means. <laughs> I mean, well, you can explain to him later. <laughs> We're gonna have the talk. We're gonna have the George no, Michael talk. It's funny the the first time <laughs> I became aware of this song, it was on like a children's comedy album, no. and they. It was like this guy visiting his friend in the hospital and he had a head injury. So now he has a stutter. So they made a wake me up before you go, go joke. And I didn't get it. So my dad played the song for me. This was when I was like, you know, four or something. Sure. So that's so not even even on top of the 
fact that this song is ditzy as fuck. It's like so much more simple and teeny boppy than mm. because I know what George Michael can write. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So like when I compare it to his other like massive, incredible pop hits, even the ones that aren't on Faith and weren't like massive hits mm-hmm. in the US, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go just doesn't quite have the same impact. If but you, I still get it. You if know you I mean? still look if you look at the lyrics, it's sad. Uh, I understand. But uh-huh. it's just like with the beats and everything I I think it definitely deserves a higher rank. Okay. Okay. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I appreciate the difference of opinion. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and here's the thing. We have seven albums to go through. So there's a lot of things that are going to happen along the way. Uh, If it's down between these two, I think the choice is very easy for me. Like, Uh I think we can agree. I mean, I'm not sure about where you stand. I feel like most of the Wham material generally can be maybe down near the bottom of the list. Maybe, you know. Uh, Absolutely. If we went by emotions, it might be higher. Yeah. Oh, to be completely uh, understanding. But that's not where I wanted to necessarily put all of it. So, yes, I would say most of the Wham would be lower. Yeah. So. Just because he grew as we all grew. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Here's the the other thing is that like, yeah, music from the edge of heaven isn't that great either. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Like, like it has Wham Rap 90s or Wham Rap 86, Uh which like. It's just a remix. It's just. Yeah. It's, it's almost the same instrumental. Uh Right. And it's like, did we need to revisit George Michael liked to do like, in Mm -hmm. case you forgot why you liked me, here's an instrumental version of the song you really liked before, yeah. uh-huh. um, which I think is unnecessary, but I think a lot of artists did that. All like right, so I'm I'm torn, but because we're in an outvoting system here, here's <laughs> what I'm thinking about it. I think I was kind of on Taryn's side for a little bit, but I might be changing my mind. I might throw Fantastic at the very bottom just because A Ray of Sunshine blew me away this week. And there are songs I like on here, but the terrible songs are so terrible. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I just, like, I gotta throw it on there. But if I'm throwing, if we vote and we throw Fantastic at number seven, I feel like Make It Big's gotta be, like, right behind it. Because I feel like, in terms of great takeaways, everything she wants is a takeaway. And... Uh, Careless Whisper is a takeaway. And honestly, like like a baby, I like that it's a little bit of a slower song down there, like genuinely. Yeah, absolutely. The rest of the songs are like fine. You know, and the thing is that like an album with like fine songs is there one thing, but especially since we have so many other songs to talk about, like I don't have as much more to say about a very light and disposable album to a degree. You know, <laughs> that's kinda of how I feel. Do, do you agree in some anyway? You can you can wildly disagree, of course. Uh to rate another one is what you're asking yeah. me. Um so I I would definitely put, you know... Uh, you said Fantastic at 7. Yeah, would absolutely. Would you put anything below Make It Big? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, so Make It Big would be next. Okay. Make well, let's, at, the very, at the very well. least, before we have any other discussion, let's go ahead and lock these two in. Number 7, Fantastic. Number 6, Make It Big. And that's okay. That's okay. Now... I mean, make It Big was a lot for me, but it's a lot of time. But, as like I said, as I grew, so did George Michael, so did the music, so... Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. There's, there's more things to layer on top, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is, there, I'm kind. I got to be honest. When it comes to like number five, I'm glad we were able to agree at this point so yeah, far. Yeah. But at number five, I'm a little bit torn uh, because I oh. kind of have I kind of have two ideas I want to toss out here. The first denomination would be music from the edge of heaven because while wham rap and especially edge of heaven, listen, if that's what heaven sounds like, <laughs> I want to go to hell. I'm not even kidding. But like legitimately. <laughs> And the thing is, and blue is disposable, but music on the edge of heaven has some moments. I like 
blue. You think it's disposable? I it's, like blue. It's, it's like, it's fine. It's I listen to it, and I'm like, this is a song. I don't hate it. I don't love it. And then I'm, it's over. You know, it's fine. Okay. Uh, but the biggest thing for me, aside from Last Christmas, which is a sneaky little song. Oh, Last Christmas is incredible. Okay. little and it song. Makes every holiday better. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, like... First of all, let's just take a moment to talk about how impressive it is that George Michael has the only Christmas song from the 80s that's made it into the Christmas songbook. Mm-hmm. Every compilation yeah. ever. Like, right. Every, yeah. Everyone, at this point, everyone who does a Christmas album covers Last Christmas. Absolutely. Right. And like Christmas songs tend to obviously rechart every year. Like Mariah Carey to, had got her highest ranking in 2017 because fucking uh, All I Want Christmas Is You went okay. to number fucking nine or seven which is like the highest it's ever been and last year in the uk fucking last christmas went to number two which is amazing for me but like that that, that's its own thing and it's a secret song but here's the thing there's a couple battle stations is a fun and like interesting little number about you know a one one question i have about the song why do they always have sex on wednesdays why is wednesday your sex why wouldn't you because (laughs) it it is hump day (laughs) i didn't even think about that lesbians do things different (laughs) well consider me school uh but it'd be also that chorus of you know like you know it's like you know why are we always fighting instead of spending time in bed like there's just there's something about that that's a nice little hook it's a little bit understated weirdly enough like the beats going and his vocals are a little bit in the background not the front it's like okay he does that a lot yeah which is especially i feel like he doesn't get as much credit as a vocalist as maybe he should mm-hmm. because he sort of does the Janet thing where there's a lot of like whispery, yeah. breathy vocals. Absolutely. He's being yeah. sensual. Uh-huh. But then sometimes when he's like fully belting, I'm like, oh, okay. You got some nice You tone. got some pipes. Yeah. But then the other thing here is, and I think it's probably the biggest thing, is not a lot of people talk about, and it was a fucking single, and it was basically a George Michael solo single, A Different Corner. Now, at the end of the day, I would say Different Corner is not ever going to enter, like, my top ten George Michael songs list, personally. <laughs> but No, no, no. Because, like, I just don't love the melody. I'm not as big a fan of it. But what the song is, is fascinating this is truly and i mean this the first point and it's worth getting into for the rest of his discography of just the fact that he was especially and especially at the end of wham he kind of realized he was full-on gay uh and especially during this time when they had all this teeny bopper fan worship uh like like uh, andrew and the backup dancers they're like or singers they're like you should probably not tell your parents you should probably stay in the closet you should that's what you should do and that's effectively what he did also elton john uh in the mid-70s was a cautionary tale because when he came out as definitely not straight he literally his album sales his radio hits pretty much all dried up at that point yeah. there was an outrage walter cronkite covered fucking elton john on the news because of that reason mm-hmm. the sexual revolution is very recent guys it's a thing that happened and it's very important i want to bring this up too because so much of what george does for and like not necessarily with the first two wham albums which are just kind of like effervescent you know and free but with this here and it's a different corner especially it's like he's getting out hints and communications. And when we watched the VH1 behind the music special, George was looking back at the Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go video in the pink shirt and the fingerless gloves <laughs> and everything. He's like, God, it couldn't have been more obvious. But a lot of people, he was just flamboyant and fey and you're like, you know, whatever. And A Different Corner is the first, especially for the next three albums, when he's like trying to tell us something. There is torture behind these things. And there was a pop critic, Alfred Soto, and this came up during uh, the Slate Hit Parade podcast talking about George Michael, how like 
when it comes to being a gay fan of pop music, when it comes to especially in this era prior to, you know, like, it essentially gays becoming accepted and, you know, like, mainstream to a degree, I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of things, like, you had to look for hints. You had to look for messages and things like that locked in the lyrics. Because generally, when you fall in love, if you're a straight person, you're like, being in love is awesome. Oh, why won't she go out with me? I mean, these are, like, very general pop songs. But, like, every time George Michael talks about it, it is pain. It is torture. It is like, you know, like just regret. Absolutely. You know, and the thing is, and so there's the thing, like, for personally, I don't love the melody of a different corner, but like when you listen to that song, we look at the lyrics, it's like, whoa, this is. He's big. saying something. Yeah, yes. absolutely. He's so reaching like, out. Yeah, and so like I as an I, I respect the artistry of that. It doesn't necessarily elevate the album for me, <laughs> sure. but I respect the fuck out of that absolutely. song. Absolutely. So that's kind of like so because it's a mix of like really good songs and lesser songs. <laughs> like that's kind of where I want to put the edge music of the hedge of heaven. Or do you? Well, oh, go ahead. Let's let's yeah uh, just discuss this album before. Sure. We... Well, do you have anything else to say? I just I will say that last Christmas. Me being still my age and even going back from last Christmas is played in my house all the time. And my mom and I will dance up and down the stairs. It's just so important mm -hmm. to the Barnes family. Yeah. Uh, so in my girlfriend, it cannot stand it, but she will, she definitely has been starting <laughs> to sing along with me. She's like, oh no, it's November. It's yeah. last Christmas coming yeah. on. Yes. Yes, I mean, it is. Honestly, for me, <laughs> the production on that is good enough that like, I was not mad at all about listening to it in May. Yeah. Like, yeah. just, because it's just not. so fun. It is yeah. fun. It's so fun, and it's so, like, it's, like, hopeful and sad, and... Absolutely. But even also, it's still sad. even if you don't, yeah. but if you don't want to think about how sad it is, like, it's so just fun it's and bright. It's very catchy. And, like, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So... That's kind of like what my thoughts. The only other thing I would potentially nominate here, so maybe you guys can help me if you agree at all, sure. would actually be Listen Without Prejudice Volume 1 would be my other nomination for it here. Because, like, Listen Without Prejudice, the kind of more acoustic album they released in the wake of this massive success of Faith, he's taking very much a different direction. And, you know, he doesn't have his face on the album cover. He's not appearing in the music videos, whatever. It's an odd one. It's an odd little album. He's still communicating a lot of different things, and let me get this out of the way. Freedom 90, and this week really drove it in for me. Freedom 90 is maybe one of my favorite pop songs ever. Okay. Like, it is so goddamn good. He knows how to build up that sly little beat to keep upbeat and optimistic. I mean, it's become a gay anthem, but, like, it's just an amazing song. This is one of those few times you can bring in a pop choir, and it fucking works, and it nails Absolutely. it. Well, and I honestly think, too, that even though he borrowed the freedom choral hook, that the verses and chorus are still catchy enough to live on their own. Absolutely. Like, if we pulled that out, sure, it wouldn't be as impactful, but it would still be probably up there among my favorite George, Mi George Michael songs. Yeah. And I think that just speaks to the testament of just how strong of a songwriter he was at this point. Catchy enough for those boys on MTV. I also <laughs> appreciate Freedom because I feel like it really works with its 70s interpolation, whereas, like, Waiting for That Day or... What's the one that where he does send me forget me nots? Oh, is that fast love? Is that fast love? Yeah. yeah, right. Both of those just feel entirely unnecessary. Like they don't. To me, it doesn't really like add 
to the song that you're calling back to a different song. Yeah, like you like these songs can stand yeah. on their Absolutely. own, and if you had interpret, if you had worked it into the whole song Instead and an like made it end. part of the structure, yeah, then I think I would appreciate it a little more. But instead, it just feels like this weird tag, especially to have the Rolling Stones actually do it. I don't know. That didn't totally work for me. Yeah. Okay. But on Freedom, it's brilliant. Yeah. I'm going to push back on ranking this, ranking Listen Without Prejudice this low, though. Okay. Because I really like a lot of what's happening on this okay. album. For me, his ballads can get pretty boring. Yep. Um, when he's... Lies. All he does on the production, a lot of the time, is like... A Casio beat and a single beat, a yeah. single piano chord at the top of each measure with just his vocals over it, which can work, but oftentimes it's just kind of boring for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that when he strips it down on this album, it works a lot more because he's going acoustic guitar. He's mm-hmm. going like tabla, acoustic you know, guitar with hippie, him is my favorite hippie sure. drum circle yeah. sort of feel you know early 70s singer songwriter and i love that era so this album really connects with me okay um praying for time is pretty good but i really love something to save yeah um, that was actually, that was i love one. his yeah. vocal take on that um cowboys and angels is one of his, my favorite like down tempo songs from him and what was the other one? Oh, heal the pain oh, heal the yeah. his the hook on heal the pain is just so nice and 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 I love the closer waiting waiting reprise like there's just a ton of moments on here where I feel like I because of the switch in production I'm able to appreciate like the His longing and talent. the vocal take okay. and the songwriting talent more to me it's a better showcase for what he's also what he's still doing elsewhere he's just dressed it up in a way that I appreciate sure, absolutely. more absolutely yeah what do you think of this I wouldn't. Uh, drop it down this slow. At all, yeah. um, it's definitely one of the ones for a lot of the same reasons that Taryn has mentioned. Uh, but Mother's Pride, I can't listen to it without oh, getting choked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like when he strips down the music and even Frank Sinatra sent him an open letter telling him to just sing. He doesn't need all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a powerful statement that, you know, it's okay to just let your voice go. Mm-hmm. You don't need to put so much symphonic or... Or, so it, or build it up like they do on They Won't Go When I Go. You know, they and it, and won't when, go when I go. Which is still a lot of fun to sing in the car. Oh, for sure. I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> It's just one that's like you did... Oh, yeah. Everyone singing together is so much good. But when you're alone, uh, Mother's Pride is really like it just... Huh. Yeah, it's one of those that like... It, Holds it for me and freedom. Obviously, it's it's one of the ones that when I was realizing I, I'm the only lesbian in school, it mm-hmm. was just one of those things that you know sadly comforted me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, it's kind of a strange thing to sadly comfort, but it is yeah, kind of like how makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. we're gays. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like a really like a, definitely another one that I wore out for sure. Mm-hmm. So just out of curiosity then, when it comes to our number five ranking on everything, what would you have nominated? I would probably put, um, goodness, it's so much, it's so difficult. It's hard. Um, I would probably put patience there. <gasps> oh, oh, really? 
Yes, sir. Oh my goodness! And this is how we know we're from different eras. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all, and it's hard. This is very hard for me to do this at all. You know, to rank them because like different things happen. But because all every song is brilliant and a story. But, but like they're all you know, number one. Yeah. Uh, like I graduated high school in 1995. Uh-huh. So like in 1990, this "Listen Without Prejudice" was so powerful mm-hmm. to Little Carmen. So like it was, you know, it's very something that like. Patience being like one of the last things I ever heard. It's 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 hard to say, but it's still something that like I grew mm-hmm. with the other music more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, okay. I get that. I can see where you're coming from, but especially for me, here's the biggest thing. Older, older. The album came out in 1986, and we have issues with older. We're gonna get into older. Don't sure. worry. All right, we'll talk about it. But it came out also like about three months before his infamous uh, L.A. arrest. Which, for those who don't know, he was out uh, living with his boyfriend out in Santa Monica, going to a public park, using the restroom, and was basically busted and essentially a sting operation because he was showing his willy to what happened to be a cop. Uh, and he had the like, cop showed him his willy first, though. It's basically That's accurate. Yeah, and and it based, so basically, as George Michael said multiple times, it's entrapment. But as much it's a big controversy, it was all over the tabloids. But the biggest reason it was a controversy is because it basically forced him to come out. And the thing is that, like you, it, it, when you are gay in any sense whatsoever, that is one of the cruelest things you could ever do is re- remove someone's coming out like that's something that's something that's there and personal and so for that to be splashed all over the place in a giant fucking like you know humiliation or whatever that's terrible that's horrible he went on news three days later and revealed that he is gay and the thing is that the hints were all there but the fact that he had to say especially in the 90s is a big big deal which is part of the reason why yeah songs for the last century i feel like was a bit of a course correction to a degree even though with outside he was able to laugh at it so patience really for me, is kind of the first album he was able to do as an out gay man, sure. you know, of original songs. Absolutely. And, like, it's 2004, as I kept joking with Terry, it's kind of uh, the Kylie Minogue album of his career, <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of that kind of era stuff Lots to of it, yeah. Breezy, toast, <laughs> d- Daft Punk's yeah. Discovery, yes. like, like right. Mid Temple Vogue, you know, beats, yeah. exactly. But the thing is that, like, because it's him as an out man, the thing is that, like, he's lived his life. He doesn't need to go club and he doesn't need to do Madonna or share or just go like you know super gay or whatever he's like I mean this album is still <laughs> the album is no, 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 very gay, very gay. I, no 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 it is super gay but it's weirdly not but it's not gayer gay. than normal <laughs> <laughs> no and like that's the biggest thing when I was listening to it with the exception of Freak which I think is just a garbage single um, I mean it really really is like this album he's doing two things one he's talking about his past he's talking in a very real way Absolutely, Round Here sure. was a fascinating little like biographical song and I kind of loved it it's just like very upbeat although there's a line in there about the two little Hitlers which I still have no idea what the fuck he's referencing in that which <laughs> Which is really fucking weird. Uh, my mother had a brother. Is like oh, very it's emotional. So powerful, American yeah. Angel. He has that song that's uh, dedicated to his lover that he had mm-hmm. uh, in the nineties. And Selmo, yeah, which is actually very That's nice. That's one of my favorite ones. It yeah, is, profoundly. But, like, the lyrics for the rest of the songs, like, when we think about Amazing, when we think about Cars and Trains, he's talking about these boys, like, you don't have to be a fucked up piece of ass. Yeah. Like, he's kind of like being, like, kind of an elder statesman of gays. Well, that's like, flawless. Yeah, flawless. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Is- which, which is the gayest song he ever recorded. And I love it! It's so yeah. great. And Absolutely. And I, I'm, that I will, video is incredible. I will push back on, on this being this low, partially because of Flawless. Because I understand. It's such a good... And it, and it was hard for me, again, because John and Elvis Are Dead are huge to me. I'm a huge Elvis fan as well. Uh-huh. So, like, that song is just so incredible, and I get it, but it's just... Yeah, it's, where, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But it, it's just, I, I absolutely love that song. Yeah. I also, one of my favorites from this album is amazing, mm-hmm. but I can't not hear how it's a rewrite of Fast Love. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the it's same a good chord structure. Of it yeah. is, it is, but every time, every time I hear that, instead of the hook from Amazing, my brain goes, if you're looking for Fast Love, like, yeah. I, can't, I can't separate the two, yeah. which is... Sort of a big ding that one of my favorite songs on here is just a lesser version yeah. of a really great song from a different album. But also you have... Um, Precious Box. I like Precious Box. Yeah, yeah. Precious yeah, Box is... No? No, you don't? No, no, yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, I thought it was... Ugh. I'm agreeing. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Um, also, what is Shoot the Dog about? It is um, in reference to heroin. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. okay. He did have some drug problems, yes. uh, but he did do his best uh, to work through them. I think he had multiple arrests. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that he was in um, rehab, but I don't actually know what year that fell okay. into. And you guys watched the VH1 yeah. more recently. They didn't maybe. actually bring it up. It, they yeah. don't talk about rehab at all. Yeah. Okay. The thing about the VH1 behind the it's music, also an though, hour. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah it's, it's an hour and yeah. It's like, yeah, 42 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the feature length documentary on his life. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Is there one of those? There is. He has his own movie, but I think oh. the only way you can watch it is YouTube. Oh. But it's like two hours soon. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, how about that? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like, I get having this album this low. I think part of it is just a preference of, like, I, production eras, style, yeah. too. Um, it's also because it's eight years between albums. It's just such, it's such a different time of pop music that it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't totally fit with the George Michael mystique. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know? Yeah. Sure. No, it is a completely different thing. What I liked about George Michael a lot is each album felt different, except he kept pulling an old song yeah. onto the new mm-hmm. one just yeah. a little differently. And I still feel like that was a little bit of fear on his side of like, what if my fans don't like what I've changed? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the confidence level, like you'd think that he'd have, but him being shy still lasted throughout his life. Yeah. Well, we're still talking about our number five spot, yeah. and we're 40 minutes in. Sorry. So, uh, <laughs> no, okay. oh, don't be sorry. Yeah. This, is great. this is great. So I would say, just given that we've nominated three different albums here, I think we can maybe find the most consensus on Music from the Edge of Heaven at number five. I think so. Okay. Let's go ahead. Let's lock that in. Are you, yeah? Yes. You agree with yeah, that? Yeah. All right. Cool. cool. Exactly. All right. Because, honestly, there's an album that I would put lower than Listen Without Prejudice and Patience. Would it be older? It is older. How did I know? <laughs> It is older, and and again, I love Fast Love so, so much. much. It's a great goddamn song. I think Spinning the Wheel has like a really great groove. Oh and, man! Like okay. there are a lot of songs on this album that like doesn't really matter that are too long. Or there's a lot of songs in his discography in general, especially once he went solo. They're way too fucking long. But I think Spinning the Wheel. Like, it's still six and a half minutes, but I don't get bored with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I do some of the other ones. I'm also really into star people. <laughs> when I yeah. was talking about... It's a little bit loungy, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Fuck, like, fuck fame. You guys would die without fame anyway. Yeah. Kind of yeah. 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 And it's But he does it in kind of an upbeat way, which is like, you know, fun. Right. It's a little bit cheeky, but not overtly. But unfortunately, that about sums up what I like on this album. You don't love Jesus to a child. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it's beautiful. I... I <laughs> I get Jesus to a child. Okay. I do think it's beautiful, but I don't want to listen to it. Okay. Religion is such an important part of his mom and his, Mm -hmm. uh, well, 
his upbringing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, like, I, I do appreciate that he always kept religion throughout it. And mm-hmm. I think Jesus Who Child is so very George Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand if you wouldn't want to listen to it, it just it happens to be one I of feel my like favorites. this album is almost like just lost in a trap of adult contemporariness. Like, it's kind of like mid ambient sense, mid tempo grooves, kind of like, you know, Jesus to a child. You know, yeah, like, it's just like, mid, like this very. I would, and it, there's effort. There's craft behind these songs. Make no mistake. But it's still just kind of... Like, I love Move On, honestly. Okay. Like, that's been one of, one of my surprises that I had this week. I'm just like, just this lovely, like, fun little thing. And we were listening earlier in the car to uh, It Doesn't Really Matter, which I love because it sounds like a little fucking keyboard demo he recorded in his home. Yeah, not absolutely. In the studio. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, I, and, I like, and I like that. You know, I like that we see these different sides of him throughout this album. It's actually much like Patience. I kind of like that he's just kind of this... Is this re- there's still a lot of yearning on this album. Yeah. But it's also like, I feel like he's kind of officially, especially this is after, you know, six years after his fucking legal battle had initiated with Sony Music. Yeah. Like, it just kind of is like, it's a little bit more resigned. It's a little bit more, there's yearning, but there's also just kind of like, guys, come on, in it there. I mean, even the title of it's older. He's mm-hmm. just more I think mature. It's, it's like, yeah. you know. I think it's oh, a terrible album title, and, personally. <laughs> I, I also think that the title track is one of his weakest ballads yep personally i, I agree yeah okay <laughs> what do you what do you how do you feel about it Connie? i i think that it's just one of the things that it it was just so different for me uh, like this album so when it came out i'm like obviously i wanted like i want to buy it first yeah uh and so like it was like at first i was like this doesn't sound like anything mm-hmm. uh i'm disappointed but then it like it grew on me right so uh i think if you guys listen to it more you might like it more mm-hmm. right. but you know also i don't want to force that onto anybody but i still feel like um i mean after patience this is where older would be for me uh you know for my yeah. ranking um, sure okay uh but it, it it is something like it there's so many good things about it but i i would say like like what are your jesus to a child is my favorite but it doesn't sound like the, with the consensus I, here i'm blown away by that personally uh, yeah uh but fast love it was incredible i was absolutely i just graduated high school I was in college mm-hmm. fast love was in every gay bar ever oh yeah uh yes. so and often still is um men have the ladies they so, are as a lesbian i'm the most gay man you'll meet so like it was one of those things like so much glitter uh-huh so much fun. It, it was definitely oh, like... fucking sax hook. I swear um, to God. It's understated and beautiful. It's I great. never wanted to grow, like, a chin strap more. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I have that ability? Because yeah. I'm, I'm not Greek nor man. Uh, these are the things, you know, like that beautiful, dark... What? Oh, I can't. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. God damn it. So, like, that has all that memory for me, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I say Taryn and I might have to. I think it might be outvoting time. I think sure, we I might outvote you and put older at number four. But I feel like that's as much leverage as I'm going to get out of uh, getting anything else. Taryn. Yeah. No, I would. I would put older at four, and then probably. Ooh. It gets harder. Let's, let's put Boulder at it four. Let's harder. put Boulder at four. And so for those keeping track at home, that is number seven. Fantastic. That is number six. Because you said you would put older at three, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was so number the- six, make it big. Number five, music on the edge of heaven. Number four, older. Which means... Which means I think Carmen and I are are outvoting you yeah. and putting patience at three. And that's fine because when it comes down to the discussion of listen without prejudice versus motherfucking 1987's <laughs> faith... It is a discussion 
worth having. Now, we've talked a little bit about Listen Without Prejudice. Let's just describe what the fuck faith is for those who don't goddamn know. The thing is, I would say, and this is one of the things, I would say faith is not a perfect album. No. I would say there's a couple weak points, but when it comes to... I mean, I feel like that was my biggest revelation the more and more I sat with Faith this week is the fact that, like, he did something. The 80s was actually a completely transformational era because I feel like in the 60s and in the 70s, when it came to talking about sexuality and pop music, it was subtlety. It was all coy, you know, allegories. It's do it to me one more time. You know, like, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's, you know, basking everything and whatever. And I feel like this is the time when things got explicit. This is before, like, Two Life Crew was doing me, you know, me so horny and before the right. entire paradigm changed in the 90s. Absolutely. But in the 80s, like, Prince was getting out there talking about, like, explicit things but in an artistic context. Mm-hmm. And Madonna. Here, exactly, Madonna. Madonna. And I feel like George Michael was absolutely part of that conversation because the lead single from this album was not the song Faith, as big and amazing and as iconic a hit that was. The lead single from this was I Want Your Sex. All the time. He wa- Because I feel like <laughs> it was the thing after Wham had ended, he personally was still, like, struggling with his sexual identity. But more importantly, he wanted to firmly establish this is not an album you can buy for your kids. He wanted to make it be... Yeah. No. It, oh. And so, yeah, go ahead. And on the one hand, I feel like he didn't need to ditch Wham to do that. I understand why he did mm-hmm. from just he wanted to break out and do a hard cut. But like he didn't have to ditch Andrew Ridgely. He could have it could have still been Wham and just a new image. Mm-hmm. But I think because he left Wham. It was even that much more of a pronouncement. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they had but, a falling out as well. Uh, so it wasn't him just leaving. It was a... a mutual, mutual almost. Yeah, I can't remember. We shouldn't work together anymore. But even then, like, it's this minimalistic little fucking jam with these little synth... Like, it's almost Prince like this. It's very Prince. You know, like, it comes in. But it's also just him, you know, sex is something and sex is free. Like, he's just talking about it in such a sex-positive way. Yeah. And then even the rest yeah. of the album, when you talk Faith, you know, when he's talking about wanting your body, not everybody's got a body like me. Right. Like, it's playful and it's fun. This whole album, and especially, here's the thing. When this album came out, it was such a monster hit. I don't think even the label was counting on it, too. The label's like, oh, we can, like, spin hiss off this for a day. So they were diving deep into the album to pull things out. And they're like, hey, maybe we should put out Monkey as a song. When you think about the great George Michael discography, Monkey isn't a song that you're necessarily associating it with, you know. I hear it on the radio, though. It's yeah. still something Oldies that radio, exists, yeah. Monkey definitely gets Okay, spins. but why is it getting spinned? Because that's not the album cut. Oh, yeah. Because they got uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, formerly of the Prince is, you know, the Morris Day band at the time, but more importantly, the producers of Janet Jackson's album Control, like, can you remix this? Can you do this? And, like, they put the vocal hook Hi. front and center. Yeah. yeah. And, like, it's just, like, it's kind of a fun, awesome little song. Well, I especially love that they took the outro mm-hmm. from that Beatles song and turned it into the yeah. chorus yeah. because it was, it was its own catchy thing. Uh-huh. But again, like, Monkey is one of those moments where, like, the par- the original parts that George Michael wrote for it are are good enough to stand on their own. Absolutely. Like, obviously, the chorus is catchy as fuck and a huge part of why the song works. But those verses are solid. Yeah. Um. And I even I like the album cut version. It's not as it's not as it's shit yeah, right, as yeah. the single, obviously. But I'm into it. I mean, honestly, this album is like a tour de force of pop songwriting. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, you know, he wrote a song called Father Figure, which is a psychologically complex little fucker yeah, song. Yeah. He sings the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, he like, does. 
And that's, that's, I mean, this album not only has some of his strongest songwriting, and it, it, you know, honestly, if I'm being frank, the hits on here aren't necessarily my favorite hits from his discography. That you is know, fair. There are like random one off singles that I fast think love. are more in Fast Love, for yeah. example. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just the consistency here. You know, even the things that weren't massive hits, like I really like Hard Day. I think hand to mouth is this beautiful, like incredible. really fun, understated story of and a, it's a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. sort of a sort of a like it's very bleak. It's very visceral. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, and but the fact that it's still in this sort of like sensual <laughs> production and yeah. delivery yeah. and like it's I like, love it. Yeah, I also really like look at your hands. Like I yes. I think it's it's just such a fun like like it's. About as good as you want an album cut to be, you I, know. If I it was have any no better, complaints about Faith. Like all of them, I yeah. agree with what you're saying. I did literally. I I love Faith. Um, like I want your sex was so incredible. Like 1987, just yes. Also a big fan of Prince. So yeah. like, it's oh, but also it's a two story. part song. So yeah, when absolutely. That fucking horn section comes in on the second part. Yeah, yeah. It's just like Whoa. I mean, you know, nine minutes is a little much for me. Um. <laughs> I, I I I love the horns section in part two. Yeah, but uh, both sections could be shorter if we're gonna have a single track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, sure. it, like it doesn't it you doesn't change track yeah. enough to oh. justify. Also, I think it's fun that in I Want Your Sex Part Two we hear the chord structure that became Freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, there's so many little callbacks. Yeah, there. absolutely. You know? Also, no, you love the part in Father Figure, that little keyboard thing at the end, that kind of. Oh yeah, yeah. it's such it's because it's well actually I we haven't really talked about this that much yet, but um, he does it a lot on older too. He brings in the like Eastern yeah melodic structure, yeah, okay. the yeah. East, that like Eastern scale where the the steps are a little different and right. brings in that sort of like yeah. almost Arabian feel. Um, which just makes it all the gayer in retrospect. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. And he uses, he does that super well here. Also the, the thing about faith is the weakest moments for me are the ballads. I, I get, <laughs> I get one more try. I get why people love it. Ugh. It's just, uh, honestly, I think it. it's just too long for me. Okay. Like I, I, I'm into it and then I get bored. Um, and then kissing a fool is sort of the same thing. So that's Disagree. what I'm, what I'm saying is Disagree, like, yeah. yeah. What I'm saying is, even the weakest moments on here are some of his strongest ballads. Right. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. the, the Kissing a Fool cover is one of those things where, like, this album is, like, so sprawling. Like, he goes from sex song to, you know, anthemic song to ballad to things like that. That having kind of a classic crooner song at the end, weirdly enough, like, it makes sense because, like, he's kind of showing all of his different sides on here. Like, yeah. it's, there's diversity within. Mm-hmm. There's something for everyone. Right. With, with faith. Yeah. yeah. And when it was a see- four quadrant hit. Yeah. yeah. When yeah, and when you see "Kissing on a Fool," it's like then songs from the last century makes that much more sense. Yes, you know. Yes. But the songs for from the last century doesn't work as well because that's a whole album of basically the same tone, right? Like mm-hmm. all the way throughout. And right. like here, when you toss it in as just one song at the end, I'm like, okay, you know, yeah. like I can I can be a part of that, right? But and and then yeah, the only other weak moment for me is "I Want Your Sex Part Three, which honestly, if if the end the album just ended with "Kissing a Fool," I would be totally fine, and it I would still want to put it at number one. Yeah, Carmen. I I 
I want your sex for the whole album. There could yeah. have been multiple parts. I think part it's just eight. like part four. Yeah. Part, yeah. part 16, I'm still fine with it. I think that's probably <laughs> another lesbian versus gay thing. Mm-hmm. Our sex takes longer. Uh, I- <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more lead up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my mama told me. I don't know. <laughs> We're learning so much today. I did. I did actually have that thought this week that like I want your sex parts one and part two is approximately the length of like a a, a quickie in a bathroom. So, sure, you know, makes sense. Yeah. So adding on for his lesbian friends, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, George. Thank you for the earrings. So, well, I think it, I mean we're raving about it right now. Is there anyone that's saying that Listen Without Prejudice would be the number one? No, Carmen. No? no. Okay. Is there any other things you want to say about either album? Um, I I mean, I think that we've covered, like, Mother's Pride was just a, such an incredible mm-hmm. uh, piece, uh, for sure. But for you, like... Is there anything one... else on Faith? Yeah. Um. Well, for Faith, I think so much was already covered. It was just one of those things, like, um, like Faith itself, and I, and I know we're not really talking about videos, but, like, that video... Of Faith? Of Faith. Yeah is so incredible and to see him without his floppy hair and beard and with those, that ass girl that ass also those were his own jeans he was so broke and it's so incredible that he, like this gave him all his money uh-huh. like a good start of it yeah um and one grammy for album of the year and you know like i went to the hairdresser and get to get that hair yeah. so you know it's one of those things like it's so incredible back when mtv showed videos it was a really different time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it's just one of those things that loops in. I can see the videos playing throughout this whole album. Where uh-huh. on, later on, there's you don't really get element. to see. Yeah, there's yeah. a visual for me. Because they kept making goddamn videos for right. it. Yeah. By the yeah. time it's Monkey, it's him in front of like a studio backdrop <laughs> and then shots of the crowd going fucking insane. Yeah. There are a lot of videos that are like that. I, I kept trying to be like, I like this song. What's the video? Oh, it's him in front of a white background. <laughs> interspersed with shots of... Their live shows. Got it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I've, I've seen this video. Uh-huh. I get it. Okay, yeah. can All we right. lock it in? Let's go ahead, guys. Let's go and do it. We're talking about number seven, Fantastic by Wham. Number eight, Make It Big by Wham. I mean, sorry, number six, Make It Big by Wham. Number five, Music on the Edge of Heaven, also by Wham. We're done with Wham at that point. Number four is Older. Number three is Patience. Number two is Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1. And number one, we all knew it was coming, <laughs> The Final. It is the best Wham album. It has everything you want in one place. I'm kidding. No, it's Faith by George <laughs> Michael. So guys, listen, we just went ahead we ranked the entire discographies of both Wham and George Michael we clearly have a lot more to say that's why we have a happy hour mini soda and there's I, I have so many questions I want to toss out there and stories to tell but in the meantime though I'm to thank you Thank, Thank you. you so this much is so much fun for being here I know I'm so glad we got to talk about George Michael with you like legit I, it's a dream every time someone wants to I'm totally down for that <laughs> find her on that Tom Daily Instagram account the Daily Daily uh, most importantly though I want to know what you guys the fans and listeners at home think please find us on our Facebook leave us a message there's also the chartographers at gmails.com if you want to say like you're wrong please you know we'll read that email and then delete it uh, and also if you can do us a favor rank us on iTunes because the more rankings we have the better visibility it is people see the show which is great and also follow us on SoundCloud and Stitcher and all the other goddamn places you get your podcast for free uh, in the meantime though Thank you so much. Keep on listening. Continue to know that we will be. Have a good one. Good. I thought that I could myself. 
Hey, this is Kyle Hawk from It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. Our show is a free-flowing conversation featuring a rotating cast of guests, including musicians, music journalists, and music enthusiasts, sharing how the music is still alive and well. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and then come visit us at itsalldead.com.